Greetings, friends. Welcome all. Welcome to another episode of the Rhino Report. I'm Ryan Horn. Flying this mission solo tonight. As I often do when I'm flying a solo mission, it's a white-collar crime episode. This uh, particular case, uh, we're going to focus on some white-collar crime that happened all the way back in the 1970s, the Ford Pinto case. Like a lot of the white-collar crime cases, I was not familiar with this one until I studied it in uh, grad school at the University of Cincinnati. And like a lot of them, I was horrified by what had happened in this case. You probably out there, unless you're older listening, probably don't know much about this case or anything about this case at all. But it all started in the 1970s when the Ford company designed the Ford Pinto. In fact, at this time, they were having a hard time competing with foreign companies that were able to churn out a lot of these uh, smaller, more compact type cars. They had to find a way to compete with these. They designed the Ford Pinto, and it was really flawed from the start. It was uh, put together with a faulty gas tank near the bumper, the rear bumper, upon contact would cause uh, you know, an explosion. And it just uh, led to a lot of deaths and injuries that, as we're going to find out here in a little bit, were uh, preventable. According to a 1987 study on this later, this decision to uh, put together a faulty vehicle cost hundreds of lives and uh, even some deaths. The lack of concern for safety led Ford to become the first corporation in American history to be tried for murder. And the problem with this case that we're going to see is often the case with white-collar crime. Large organizations spread power and responsibility and that makes determining, pinpointing the guilt really difficult. Uh, we've seen it in other big companies. The BP thing from a few years back, in the end, even though their negligence caused some deaths and injuries and, you know, a lot of misery and suffering, it only actually, if I recall right, uh, led to some fines from the executives. Nobody was ever actually brought up on criminal charges. Rarely sometimes you see a case like with Enron, where, you know, some a lot of people are brought to get down for the crimes that they commit, white-collar crimes, but it's very rare. This time, uh, it again was a first. A company was brought up to be charged for murder. But in 1970, they decided, as I said, to compete with these smaller foreign cars. Lee Iacocca was the Ford chairman at the time. Of course, some of you probably that are my age remember him as the chairman of Chrysler in the 80s, but at this time, he's the chairman of Ford. And he gets the engineers to develop a model that he wants to weigh less than 2,000 pounds and cost less than $2,000, which even in the 1980s, that's, uh, that's not much money. You know, it's a pretty cheap car even, I'm sorry, in the 1970s. Normal production for this time was about 43 months. It was cut down to 25 months. Pretty close to half the time this was put together. And we all know that old saying, haste makes waste. And, unfortunately, that's what came to be true later on in this. They get it churned out, and at first it's a pretty popular model. Sells a lot, uh, has a lot of, uh, you know, good features that people like. Again, it's small, it's compact, fuel efficient, uh, cheap. Out of the gate, it sells, uh, you know, sells well. That's what they wanted in that case. But as I said a little bit ago, one of the problems they found early on was the gas tank placed at the rear bumper very little impact would cause this car oftentimes to burst into flames and explode. And this led to some injuries and even some deaths. 
And one of those cases that had deaths happened in Elkhart, Indiana, which is not too awfully far from, uh, you know, where I'm recording at. In this case, three teenage girls were burned to death after their Pinto was struck from behind by a van. The van was estimated to only be traveling about 40 miles an hour or so. And that was often the case they found, you know, 30, 35, 40 miles an hour is about all it took for one of these to be struck, you know, from behind and, uh, you know, the gas tank exploded. That's what happened in this case, and these girls horribly were uh, burned alive and killed. But the outrage came about afterwards when it was discovered Ford could have fixed this defective problem for about $11 a vehicle. As we know, even in the 1970s, $11 was not a whole lot of money. But Ford claimed, you know, at this time that burning, you know, vehicles burning into flames and causing deaths was uh, a pretty common occurrence, that it wasn't anything terribly, you know, out of order or anything like that. No big deal, right? Ford, though, the thing that outraged the public also is when it was revealed that they actually calculated the worth of a human life to be about $200,000 rather than all these costs they would go ahead and just uh, churn this faulty product out that they knew was going to risk lives and cause death and even, or at least, you know, a lot of injuries. So they churn this vehicle out. They figure $200,000 is a life. We'll take the gamble. After all, we've got legal pocket, deep legal pockets, the resources that we can cover this. They were willing to take a gamble. So they knew this product was being churned out. After these girls were uh, killed, eventually... As I said, Ford was actually held accountable and brought up to, on murder charges. Problem this prosecutor ran into in 1980, and many of you that have been around Elkhart, Indiana, it's not a big, you know, metropolitan area. It's a fairly rural area. They were outgunned, you know. I read prepping for this that uh, the prosecutor's budget was roughly about $20,000 and relied on a lot of volunteer help and things like that, which again, $20,000 in 1980, when you're talking prosecuting a large company like Ford, not really going to take you very far. Ford, on the other hand, had scores of lawyers, you know, over well over a million dollars in budget to battle this. It went to trial, as I said, Ford's charged with uh, first-degree murder, but uh, they were acquitted. Precedent was set that uh, a large corporation cannot be charged with murder. You can only charge an individual with that. But as I said a little bit ago, the problem with that a lot of times is, who do you pin it down to in a corporation like this? You know, I mean, was Lee Iacocca at fault? Could they have charged Mr. Iacocca for this? Um... Who knows? But there's so many boards and executive boards and committees and things like that in these large corporations that it's very hard, as I said, to pin it down to a person that you can uh, charge. I mean, obviously, they made several attempts to, uh, or I mean, they made no attempt to stop this faulty product coming out. In fact, you know, the evidence showed they knew that it was dangerous and they still churned it out, even though it was uh, risking lives. Again, that's a problem that we run into. This is not the only time. Uh, Some other cases that I've studied and even taught in some of my classes, Peanut Corporation of America, Peanut Butter Company of the South, Stuart Parnell, the the executive of that peanut butter company, churned out uh, salmonella poisoned peanuts, you know, got some people killed. In his case, unlike a lot of these white-collar crimes, he actually faced a very hefty, you know, prison sentence, you know, pretty much the rest of his life. But once you get past, like, Bernie Madoff and this guy, a lot of people don't. You know, we've talked about Madoff on here. A recent show, we talked about uh, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, how he... uh, got off very easy when in consideration to the harm and the damage he did and even though that's the theme we see oftentimes it's an unfortunate consistent theme in white collar crime is that these offenders do not face the same penalties oftentimes that just common street criminals do even though the lives they damage and harm sometimes are much more i know in my days as a correctional officer i transported people to prison 
for far less, you know, heinous crimes and negligence and uh, things in, that Ford did here that cost lives. But uh, nonetheless, unfortunately, uh, in our justice system, money does talk. Ford was able to escape any responsibilities out of this. I don't know if the families, any of these girls or any others, uh, took civil action in court. I would hope so. But obviously, it didn't harm the reputation of Ford a whole lot. I mean, they are still around. You know, whatever PR disaster they suffered from this was not enough to put them out of business. And, you know, same thing we see with BP. They're still going. Um, Enron went down, we talked about, but we found that Enron was basically a phony company and didn't exist and we probably will do an episode on them in the near future but state's attorney just made a valiant effort to try to bring justice but just did not have the resources and was outgunned by a large uh, powerful corporation unfortunately they very rarely do face anything more than fines when they commit these type of offenses even though you know what they do that causes sometimes more death and misery than uh common street crimes but as i've said before on this episode and in in some classes that i teach sometimes when street crimes happen people know their assailant and they know who did it but these crimes they don't often know as i said in a big corporation like that who do you pin it down to who was the one that was truly at fault or as we oftentimes see in 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 uh, financial sc- scams, uh, Ponzi schemes, things like that, people don't even know they're being victimized till sometimes years down the road. Where you know street crime, if you get robbed or assaulted or you know something like that, you're obviously going to know right when the moment it happens. But that's not the case with white collar crime. People don't always know till uh, a whole lot later. That's unfortunate, but that is the way it's done. And since this time, I don't know of another case where a prosecutor has tried to charge a corporation with murder. I mean, the precedent was set, as I said. So at this time, the only option a lot of times, unfortunately, that people who've been wronged by these corporations have is civil court. Just taught this in a class of mine recently. Uh, You know, the Constitution guarantees you in the Seventh Amendment that if you've been wronged, civilly by more than $20. You know, which $20 was a lot more in 1791 than it is now. But if you've been wrong, you have that right to take somebody to court, have your day in court, and seek justice. Oftentimes, that's the only recourse anyone has against these companies. As I said, they have very deep pockets. They have very deep legal resources. You know, they have big legal departments. You know, they all have awesome insurance that can cover anything like this. They have PR people who can spend things and try to limit the damage to their reputations. Oftentimes, if they pay any price at all for the things they do, it's, it's very minimal. That was the case here. You know, in reality, the hundreds of injuries and even some deaths, and there were more deaths from what I'd read than, than these girls happened. There were also some other deaths. You know, they got off relatively scot-free because they figured a human life is worth about $200,000, which, when you really think about it, even in the 70s is not much. They didn't want to pay $11 a pop to uh, fix a faulty, defective problem they had. I mean, that's pretty scary that a company would do that. But like I said, with the uh, Peanut Corporation of America, you know, some uh, other companies we've seen with asbestos and uh, some other types of toxic chemicals that they've operated, knowing it's harming the community and the people that work for them, they still do it in pursuit of that almighty dollar. Is an unfortunate evil that exists in our society and exists in our country. You know, at this time right now, we don't really have a big recourse or a way we can stop it. As I said, unfortunately, there's always going to be the Madoffs and the Belforts and people like that out there hunting and seeking that next person they can victimize. You know, Ford victimized a lot of people. You know, I remember Pintos when I was in high school. People still had them around in the 80s from, you know, probably back in the 70s or what. I never understood the 
catch from them. I always thought they were kind of dorky looking and everything back then. But, you know, as I said, they were cheap, fuel efficient, and small and easy to operate. You know, maybe a good first car for a teenager as these unfortunate young women in Elkhart, Indiana suffered. That's what was put out there. And it's sometimes, unfortunately, uh, people pay the price for their greed and their negligence, the ultimate price. And that's what happened here. And we just have to be on guard and realize that there's always people or in this case, corporations out there that are willing to victimize you in the pursuit of their profit. This was a case that really was disturbing to me on a lot of levels that they would actually sit down and calculate the cost of a human life like you're trying to figure the cost of maybe some building materials or something. Pretty disturbing. That was done. And like I said, the women that uh, were responsible, the, the women that paid with their lives for this, these young women never got a chance to uh, grow older and experience life. You know, the young man that ran into him, the accident that he had, it wasn't intentional or anything like that. You know, if that would have been any other vehicle or a more safely designed vehicle he wouldn't have had to deal with the guilt of uh, causing that ac- you know accident and, and their death probably just would have been a normal fender bender maybe some minor injuries and damage and you know they turn it into the insurance and everybody goes on their way happily ever after in the pursuit of a profit and through a cheap and uh, faulty product put out they got away with it unfortunately who knows when the accident next incident like this could end up happening could this be right around the corner again there's always people out there and corporations out there willing to scam and take advantage of us, and we just don't know when they're happening, and we just have to stay on guard. And that's what I encourage uh, each and every one of you to do. Something else I always encourage you to do, you always check out our Facebook page and see uh, what dogs we have that are being fostered. We have young Mickey. Hopefully at the time this airs, he's a Yorkie. We had him advertised on our Facebook page, but hopefully soon he has a home. Told today he could have a possible adoption pending even. And who knows, we'll hopefully have another one here real soon after him. So always keep up on that Facebook page with us about upcoming episodes, also about our dog efforts. And as I always say each and every episode, you know, support your local shelter. They're the ones that need you. The shelters are full of your next potential best friend. So much joy from that. The wife and I, we just adopted another little puppy. Uh, as you know, a couple months ago, we lost our sweet Twinkie the Beagle. We uh, were blessed to have another little puppy in our family. We got little Sophie. Again, if you've seen her on our Facebook page picture, she is absolutely a doll and adorable. Proud that we got her from the shelter there. We didn't go shop from a backyard breeder or a pet store or anything like that. Gave her a new lease on life, and there's no feeling like it. So please do that. Support your local shelter. Foster for them if you can't foster. Donate your time. Uh, If you don't have time to do it, donate some money. Even just a small amount to buy food or products or whatever can be very, very helpful for them. And the other thing we always do, uh, sometimes when I have my sidekick Greg with us, we always like to encourage you to be careful what you take in on the news media. It's propaganda. Be very careful, folks. Turn off as much as you can because we are basically being lied to about a lot of what's going on. And it's unfortunately... No longer just reporting news, it's sensationalism, it's making the news, it's propaganda, and it's harming our society, as we've seen terrorists apart, and we cannot let them do that to us as a country. I would very much encourage as much as you can, if not all together when you can, turn off the news, folks. They're hurting us and they're harmful. We don't need them. That's what uh, my advice would be, as it always is. And with the uh, with our dogs, what you can do for them, watch out and keep your guard up. Because like I said, the next uh, white-collar predator might be out there trying to take advantage of you. But as always, folks, we're very thankful and grateful for you to tune in. Uh, you can check out the link on our page at each episode. If you want to donate a money, you can donate as little as 99 cents to help us or any other amount that you can. You can become a regular monthly donator for as little as 99 cents a month. But most importantly, we want your viewership. We want to be able to 
to take our message to you, and we so much appreciate being able to do that and let us explain our viewpoints on things. And sometimes our viewpoints don't get a market in the news media arena, and that's why we're thankful to bring that to you on here. So more than anything, we thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Stay safe out there. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Rhino Report. Thank you.